Hi, this is Tony Mormino with Insight Partners, and welcome to the Engineers HVAC podcast, where we work to give back to the HVAC community by sharing our HVAC application and design experience. In this live episode recording number 33, our topic is attracting the next generation, engaging millennials and Gen Z in the HVAC industry. This does qualify for PDH credits in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, and maybe in your area too. Please check with local um, requirements on that. So please email me after the show to get your certification. And thank you so much for joining us. So let's go ahead and get right to it. So I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Greg Crumpton, who's the VP of ServiceLogic, which is the largest privately held energy and HVAC slash mechanical services company in the United States. Committed to long-term client relationships with over 5,500 plus employees um, and service over 500 million square feet of commercial, industrial, and institutional real estate. Greg's personal and professional goals are to serve the people he works for and works with, and he carries his mo- this mantra in his professional life and his home life. Greg has 40 plus years of experience as a full service mechanical and mission critical environments contractor with a heavy emphasis on service, maintenance, and repair. Greg specializes in mission critical cooling and electrical infrastructure and the cooling comfort cooling uh, that's surrounding them. Greg is a continual entrepreneur serving as advisor for several startups in the emerging technology world. He enjoys giving back to his community through an organization called APARO, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, and also Animal Welfare Courses. Greg is also the host of the well-known HVAC podcast called Straight Outta Crumpton which is probably my favorite podcast name I've ever heard in history. So welcome, welcome, Greg. How are you today? Tony, I'm doing great. That I, I did not realize you were going to read such an extensive bio. Um, typically, if we're not on camera, I can get away with not saying 40 years of experience. But if we have the camera going, I have to say 40. So uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, you and I have talked so much over the last, really the last year, we've spent a considerable amount of time talking about this topic uh, online uh, via social media. And uh, it's just so good to get to bring it to a head um, and, and get to talk to a lot of people today about what they're seeing, what they're feeling, and then, you know, kind of parlay that into our experiences. So looking forward to it. Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm so glad to have you and thank you for um, joining us today. you got a lot of experience, which certainly can help people. So, you know, we're going to talk about a couple different, we're talking about the younger generation into the HVAC business, right? And we're right. going to kind of hit on three different aspects of that. There's the skilled trades, which we're going to focus mostly on while Greg is here, because he's got a tremendous amount of experience with that. We're going to talk a little bit about MEP engineering as well. Um, I've got some letters from some friends of mine in the industry. I'm not on the MEP engineering side, so they gave me some valuable input. And then we'll talk about manufacturers, representatives, account executives, sales engineers, et cetera, which is what I'm involved in. So skill trades, right? When we talk about skill trades in our industry, what are we talking about, Craig? Phil, Phil, someone who has no idea what the heck we're talking about, right? Yeah. And so the way you just laid that out, uh, it's it, skill trades, it's engineering, uh, and it's, it's equipment. You know, it's kind of the three-legged stool, if you think about it. You can't have one without the other to make the industry work. So when we talk about skilled trades, we're talking about air conditioning, welding, electrical, building automation, all these things that require cognitive skills, 
hand to eye coordination and a logical understanding of what we're trying to accomplish. And I always like to start there uh, because if you, any, you're a man rep. So when you open the manual of a piece of equipment, one of the first things you read is sequence of operation. What is the machine designed to do? And I think if you kind of parlay that into the skilled trades, and if you're an HVAC, uh, let's say you're a startup technician starting up that beautiful uh, 30-ton Aon unit there in the middle, you have to understand what you're trying to what you're trying to accomplish before you can start doing it. And I think that the skilled trades really use uh, allow us to use our brains in order to accomplish a task. And that can be, like I said, electrical. Somebody has to wire the unit, has to be sized properly, the conduit, the wiring, the building automation interface, or the thermostat, depending on what we're talking about. The sheet metal, you see people hanging ductwork, uh, welding. I think there's a grinder going on under that uh, roof curb there they're holding up. So there's just a lot of things that have to occur in order to have HVAC equipment perform. So that's kind of the kind of the baseline that I like to set. Yeah, I was thinking about like, oh my gosh, you know, I had this other slide here too. Like if you think about what it takes to get that rooftop unit built <clears throat> and on site, all the trades involved. Yeah. From mining the ore to making the metal. <laughs> I mean, how many are how many man hours, trade hours are involved in that unit? I mean, it's insane. All of them. Um, so yeah. if you think about it, you know, you mentioned the mining of the ore and, and earlier this week, you alluded to the conversation we had, um, where we did the live event. And when you said that on that show, and I was thinking about it afterwards, I'm like, you know, I've wrote, often, I don't think about the copper, you know, what does it take to make a coil? So you have to mine ore, aluminum. Um, all these different metals that it takes. And, and we hear a lot about metals right now due to battery technology and rare earth elements. But the core of our air conditioning equipment, which is my life and what, what your company sells, is hardcore metal. And, um, yeah. you know, it's phenomenal. If you just look at that picture, that top slide, um, you've got a lot of people working on a lot of different pieces, but you can see sheet metal, you see copper tubing, you see, uh, I mean, all kinds of things that have to get built from an element. And uh, all of that takes manpower, skills, and some kind of cognitive thought process to get there. You know, it's funny. It's like, it's amazing you could ever get one built with all the things involved that have to go right. You know, we were talking before the show, like, you know, if something goes wrong, it's okay. Cause it's amazing if this thing ever works, like when we get online and try to do these things live, right. With all the bits and pieces. And it's kind of the same thing with here. So, you know, what I'm getting from this conversation and I guess what I'm trying to pass on is like, and I didn't really think about this until a few weeks ago when you asked me, well, you suggested this topic. I was like, you know, I haven't really thought about it that much. Cause I'm not on that side. I'm not in the, I'm in the field, you know, from time to time, but I'm not really living in it. And I was just like, wow, how important the trades are to, every aspect of this, this business. And you know, what, what the guys do in the field is important, you know, and they're running a hospital job or they're running even like a restaurant, which could be someone's small livelihood. That could be their whole livelihood. And it could be very important to them. Like I was thinking how much the people on the site are involved and how important that is. And we don't, I don't think we recognize it much as an industry. You know, Tony, I think it's one of those things we take for granted. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I talk about often when, when we talk about employees, like our company, we have 5,600 employees. Mm. But I don't look at it that way. I look at it as 5,600 families. And how many families are able to, to have a, a living and, and, you know, be a, 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 be a family with a job, housing, clothing, feed, welfare, and, and, and medication, welfare, not welfare, like free money, but right, your, right. Own, your sure. own welfare. Mm-hmm. It takes all of that to create the economy. And skilled trades are such a big part of the overall economy of our country. And, and we have people on here from international uh, uh, countries. It, it's worldwide. Here's a gentleman or a lady from uh, Argentina. You know, they have mm-hmm. air conditioning and hospitals and refrigeration, all that stuff everywhere. And you have to really think about how many families are affected by being able to go and, and work on that AI rooftop unit that's serving some function, you know, cooling or dehumidification or whatever it's doing. It's a big reach when you look at the families and the headcount that are touched by our industries. Wow. It is crazy. It's a good thing. I love it. So yeah, so that's great. Um, so I think that gives a picture of how important the trades are to our industry for sure. And, you know, the topic here was Gen Z and millennials. How do we get them more uh, familiar with opportunities? So I always have to look this up because I forget, am I a Gen Xer or a Zer or what the heck am I? So this was a nice chart. I fall into the Gen X generation because I was born in 79. And I think you said earlier you were in the baby boomer generation. Yep. Is that correct? So. Yeah, I am. Uh, I was born in 1964, so I am the youngest uh, baby boomer. Um, so I straddle the line between boomer and Gen X, but um, I kind of I kind of cross a, a many of those platforms because I don't. I'm not easily categorized as as my wife and my workmates will probably attest to, <laughs> but. Um, Every, every group of these people has the, a, a stereotype that we assign to them. Mm. And, you know, the, what, what are the baby boomers all about? Where apparently we're slow to embrace technology. Well, here I am on a technology broadcast. So, right. you know, you have to be careful of how we pigeonhole people. Um, and, and then the, the generation we don't have listed because we're, we didn't focus on it today is Generation Alpha. That's the newbies coming in right now. Oh, okay. The newest one. Yeah. So um, not only do we have, you know, uh, we have four listed, we have really five generational groups that are in the workplace right now, uh, counting the the A's, the alphas. So if you think about what that means for your company and and the companies that that we all work for, I'm looking at the list in the chat here. um, We're all made up of this weird jellyfish type thing. And, and that jellyfish is a combination of all these different generational groups. We all have different skills, but the biggest thing is how we want to be communicated to. And we all listen and we all hear differently. So uh, one thing that Eric Bowen, a gentleman I mentioned a while ago, we, we talk about a lot is make sure when we're teaching and we're talking to X and millennials and Zs, and, and A's, what is our messaging? And we don't want to be a skilled trades group of people 
who have this old crotchety old air conditioning guy. We want to be nimble and flexible so that we're able to communicate effectively with a wide range of people. And, mm. and you know, you mentioned earlier, Tony, uh, I found it pretty, pretty comical that uh, I think it was in the countdown. You said that our industry tended to be a little bit slow to adopt technology or, or we were behind the eight ball. We're really Neanderthal. I'll go ahead and say it since I'm part of the problem. Um, but we're moving toward, you know, normal modern day communication. Um, we have to be nimble and we have to be flexible if we're going to recruit into X and into yeah. millennial uh, generations. We have to be open to what's working for them, not what worked for me and my dad. You know, who cares? That's that's time's gone. What's current? What works currently in technology? You asked a while ago what the uh, what the lure is or could be, and I I think that's technology very much. Great point. And I was gonna, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I was thinking, like, you know, in marketing, and it's you know, where you're trying to get a message across to anybody, you got to do it in a way that people are paying attention to, and that it's consumable, and that they're gonna watch. You know, I I told my son, you know, I made a 10 minute video the other day, and he goes who would watch a video for 10 minutes? Like he was right. just shocked that you would even sit down for 10 minutes and watch a video. So it's a new, so another thing, but that's a good point is if you want, if we want to get that message to the younger generation, we have to do it in a way that is consumable and go where their eyeballs are, where are they watching, right? Putting an ad in Ashray magazine probably isn't going to attract a lot of the younger, younger folks. Well, and again, because we have five generations of people, we have to hit multiple yeah, yeah. platforms. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to do short form video only. I see Andrew Brown join this, and Andrew is a fellow uh, on LinkedIn who he, he runs a company called Toolfetch, great company, but mm -hmm. he's also passionate about skilled trades. His way of connecting with people are short form video, and he does a great job of it because he's given people a taste of what skilled trades are, but in a consumable way to where, like your kid said, Who's going to watch a 10 minute video? I've got videos that are freaking an hour long that I've made before. So what that means to people like you is, okay, we can chop that up into a hundred bytes of usable content where before we thought that was cool. You got a video, yeah, but you've got to make it consumable. Uh, microburst training is the other word that, that I hear people talk about. I've got a buddy oh, okay. who runs a company called Ving, V-I-N-G. And Ving gives you a platform to talk about things you want to communicate, whether it be work, home, church, whatever you're, you're trying to communicate to. We, we use it for safety, but it's short form video, microburst. So you're not giving a technician, um, you're, you're not saying here's a 20 minute safety video. Right. You're saying four times, I want you to watch this five minute video. So you're given the, the employee the same amount of training, but you're giving it to them in, in consumable bite-sized nuggets that's not like that holy crap glazed over thing. I love it. So that's good a good, good point. I'm glad you brought that up. The communication style is real important. So, so here's something we could talk to a little bit. Yeah. So this article came from... Um, ACHR News. ACHR News. Sorry, it's covered up on yeah. my thing. Um, and here's some numbers to, for everyone to think about, right? So 290,000, and this is from March 1st, 2022. So it's, it's a year old. 
290,000 HVAC technicians work in the U.S. with approximately 110,000 unfilled jobs. So that's 38% that are unfilled. I know that because I looked it up. Didn't just calculate that. So 23, <laughs> so 23,000 um, HVAC techs are retiring each year. So that would be like the baby boomer age. And in five years, if that trend continues with the people coming in, which aren't enough to fill that to fill that gap, we're going to have 1.8 jobs for every willing HVAC technician. So that's a that's a crisis. That's a problem. So, and I so, like my air conditioning, so I hope we figure out a way to fix that. Well, Tony, the funny part is last night I was reviewing that slide, but I was doing it on my phone. And I got to that line and I said, five years, 18 jobs for every <laughs> willing. So I didn't, I didn't see the didn't dot. See so I was like, thank there, God yeah. it's 1.8 because I didn't, yeah. I, I can't do math that quickly, but I think what that tells us is a 23,000 is probably a, a, a very, very conservative number. I think it's higher. You think so? Mm. I do. Um, because not only do we have the, the, the true retirement age of the baby boomers, we also have a people have a group of people who are just worn out and are quitting the industry because they can go drive an Uber and supplement their income as opposed to having to make 40 hours on, on a set of tools. I think mm-hmm. that there, there's some, there's a number in there. I don't know what it is. We'll call it right. 30,000. Regardless, wow. we still have such a hill to climb. And the only way that I have figured out, a starting point is grassroots. We have to get people who are passionate mm-hmm. about what mm-hmm. we do, uh, whether that's a welder, a pipe fitter, a painter, a carpenter, or in my case, air conditioning service maintenance and repair folks. We have to find people and grab them one, grab them by the hand, one to one, and bring somebody into the industry. We can talk about it. Uh, we can we can do everything we can do to promote it like we're doing now. Mm-hmm. But it really someone has to reach out to somebody else and say, come with me and let me show you. If we did that, if we had twenty three thousand people retiring, just think about that. If we were able to get half of those people to grab one person by the hand and show them a mm. path, take them and say to yep. their boss, Let's bring this person on as a summer helper. Let's bring them on for a one-week ride-along program, a day in the life, just to see what the industry is about. That awareness is what creates our our long-term stability because so many people are siloed. We talked to uh, Nicole Bass earlier this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nicole has the uh, jointhetrades.com. It's about awareness. A lot of people aren't familiar with why am I not sweating inside my building? It's because somebody's up on the roof taking care of the air conditioning. But people don't think that way until there's a crisis or the unit's not performing well. What a great plan. If you're retiring, grab a kid. I say kid. Can I say kid? I'm 51. I don't know if I can. You can say veteran. (laughs) And and, and let's. Yeah, there, there's a plethora of people out there who we can take along for yeah, the ride yeah. if we'll just reach out to them. And, and there's great, so much good idea. content. Uh, if you look at the chat, man, these folks are full of ideas and energy about how that we can make a difference. You know, Steve, 
he says it's been an issue for 15 years. It's probably he's he's probably being nice because I think it's been coming, yeah yeah um, and we're really seeing it. Um, but it's about us all grabbing somebody, you know. It's about grabbing that person. It's about finding that person coming out of the military. I so. love it. That's good. Great, great, great advice. That's why I have you here. I appreciate it. And hi, Steve Lester. He's our service. I was talking to him last night about this. He's our service manager here in the Carolinas. So. Oh, hey, Steve. Okay, so moving on. Here's, a, here's something that probably needs addressing. And I've seen more and more women promoting the skill trades on yeah. LinkedIn. And I love it. I think it's great. Um, and I, I, I know it's mostly men. I, would, I don't know what the percentage is. It's, it's highly dominated by, by men. So great opportunities for women, right? Right, Greg? It, it really is. And, and they're, you know, to your point, we're seeing more and more uh, ladies online talking about their careers in, in skilled trades, whether it be plumbing, whether it be air conditioning or electrical. I've, I've had a couple of really nice, uh, just freaking heartfelt stories on our podcast, the Straight Out of Crumpton podcast, of young ladies who are making a big dent in what they're doing. Paige Knowles, young lady from Canada. She's a plumber. She's written three children's books. She's an illustrator of these books. And she can change her dang toilet out. I mean, and she's 20, 22 years old. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're at that precipice of being able to say, welcome all, you know, because it's not so mm -hmm. demanding physically that Paige, who's a, a, a small frame lady, can't do it. We're using our brains. We're using technology. It's the hybrid of hybrid approach to working as opposed to just big brute strength. We don't have to have that anymore. There's a hybrid way of doing work, whether it be through automation tools uh, for, for the HVAC side, uh, whether it be, you know, designing uh, mechanical systems. It's just, it's wide open. And I was, uh, I, I'm the only guy in the service logic, my company I work for, um, I'm the only guy in our women of HVAC group because I, I basically uh, I, I was the catalyst to get it going because we have so many smart ladies in our company and we we needed a place for them to come together and talk about the industry, how to improve the industry and how to bring more ladies into the industry. That is awesome. I love it. That so is great. And it's, and it's an underserved piece of, of our, our right. I mean, we basically excluded half the people forever. So what's wrong with us? Open it up. Open Be open-minded. Yeah. And I'm going to put a plug in for some resources, which you mentioned. So um, Greg's podcast is called Straight Out of Crumpton. So go check that out. He he focuses on this a lot. I don't know how many you've done. The last uh, couple months, I've seen several on the trade. So Go there, check that out. Also, Greg had mentioned Nicole Bass's site, jointhetrades.com. So check that out too. Um, and those are some good, some good resources for folks who are interested, right, Greg? Yeah, and it's you know, for me, and I and I talk about this. I try to talk about it often. I'm not just selling Service Logic. It's a great company. We have incredible people, incredible teams of, of people working around the country. This is an industry yes. problem. 
this is a worldwide financial kind of picture problem because, you know, I, I recently took my wife's uh, car. It was having this noise from under the hood. I opened the hood and I, I can't even recognize the motor. You know, it's got so much stuff, right, plastic right. and everything. So I called the dealer. I said, hey, you know, I need to bring this car in because I, I, I'm a pretty good mechanic, but I don't even know where to start. Okay, bring it in in three weeks. Like, okay, uh, I can't drive the car now. Yeah, I know. I know. Just park it and then bring it in in three weeks. Because they don't have enough talent to open the hood and find the problem. Crazy. You know, it, so it's, it's widespread, not just in, in when we think about mechanical, electrical, plumbing, but anything involving uh, the use of a tool. <clears throat> For sure. For sure. So, yeah, so we've done, I think, a decent job of talking about what skilled trades are, how they affect the HVAC industry. We talked about the younger generations trying to bring them in and changing our communication style. We talked a little bit about that. Um, we talked about women in HVAC or in the trades. And then, you know, so we've, we've got a problem. The funny thing is, to me, the solution is, is, I think one of the biggest things is just awareness, right? So I'm trying to educate myself, right? Like I said before, I really have done a bad job because I'm up isolated. I'm up here. I'm, I'm not in the trades per se, although we, that w our livelihood depends on it solely. But, you know, when you look at, when you look at the trade schools versus college, like the opportunities in the trade schools, I'm shocked. I didn't know, like, I, I did, I did a very, did very little homework on this in the past, but you know, I went the, I went the college route. Um, because my dad came from the generation where you actually can go to college, you better go to college, right? It's a, it was a, it was a big thing. He never went to college and no one in our family had. So he encouraged me to do that. And I did. And, you know, I got an engineering degree, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I look at today and, and by the way, I'm the perfect example about how not to go to college, right? I had no plan. I took eight years to get my four-year degree. Um, going out to the bars was more fun than studying thermodynamics. So, you know, I, I graduated with more debt than I, than I wanted to, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I had, to, so when you go and look at the difference, let's talk about the difference between college, trade school, pros and cons, because there's, there's pros and cons to all this stuff, right? Absolutely. So. And, you know, I think it's important also, Tony, to reiterate that I don't think anyone on this call or on this chat or, or, many people that I know are anti-college. We're not saying that. What we're saying is the right choice for the right person. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, I'm, I'm working with a gentleman right now, a young man who just graduated with an engineering degree and he's having trouble finding a job. Uh, he's fortunate that he, he's not in debt, but it's just as challenging with a degree as it is without a degree. What we're, what we're trying to reiterate or iterate is find a career that suits you and not just get pigeonholed mm. because to your point, my, my family is the same way. Um, my parents thought I should go to college because my sister went to college. My sister's a brainiac, but um, it wasn't for me, you know, and I think what we have to do is make sure that people understand you don't have to go to college to make a great career. That's you right. You don't have to go to job college to have a nice home, apartment, boat, car, whatever your goals are, money in the bank with no doubt. So I think that, um, or with no debt. Yep. And um, 
the 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 debt crisis of college is, is phenomenal right now. Mm-hmm. We we all heard it last year with the with the uh, college loan forgiveness campaign. There's a lot of people that have this mountain of debt, but they can't get a job to go pay them yes. off. So, what the skilled trades route can do for you is either you go to to a tech school, as you said. Uh, for limited costs, maybe you got $5,000 tied up in the education, or you can go to work for a company that offers that training as a perk and you don't pay anything or, and there's a lot of ors in this equation, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Or you could go through a union apprenticeship, which is a whole nother route, which you get educated. Uh, A lot of times you go to work during the day, you go to class a couple of times a week. Um, but you're earning as you're learning. And um, a young lady who uh, we've, we've had on our podcast, I think you've talked to her as well, Dee Durant. She's an electrician apprentice in Canada. And her, her, her uh, phrase, and I saw her post the other day, is earn as you learn. Mm. And it's a great way to think about it so that you're able to get your, your foundation built while you're young. So as you're learning, you're earning, you can build a home or, or, you know, start building some money in the bank, whatever it is you want to do while you're getting educated. And you don't have that big monster load hanging over your head of debt when you get out of school. Yeah, well, well said. And I'm, I'm big on, I, I like what you said about, it's kind of like the word self-awareness popped in my head, right? Like you should, maybe you should go to college. Maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should be trained, but don't like one of the things I'm big on is not being influenced by societal pressures, right? Mm-hmm. Don't go to college and get that specific degree because you think you care what people will think about you, right? Don't not look at the trades because of some stigma you have or your friend, what are my friends going to think? Or what are my parents going to think? Cause I can tell you, like when you get a job, you got to work a lot. You know, 40 hours a week minimum, unless you start your own business, then you're working 80 hours a week, right? (laughs) Get that. You work half days. That's right. Seven to seven. That's right. (laughs) So, you know, I guess my point is like, don't choose the career or your path based on societal pressures. Do your homework. Like Greg's saying, there's, there's so many different options out there. And when I went, when I started in engineering, I learned this phrase, and I think you're, I'm sure you're familiar with it too, but you ask a question and someone says, I'll give you the answer. It depends. And then 20 minutes later, you've got 20 things you need to invest. And that's just kind of one of those scenarios. I was trying to look up some figures of college debt versus trade school, yada, but it's, it's so many different variables there. Obviously, everyone knows it's less expensive and that it's quicker. Um, and, I, and again, I'm not bashing college. I went to college. I loved it. But be self-aware that you're doing it for you and you're excited about it. And it's something you're going to get up in the morning and be excited about because you know, life's short, man. You don't want to be stuck doing something and then being resentful. I took this job because of so-and-so and now, I, now I'm stuck and I got all this debt and it's just not a fun experience. So that's kind of my two cents on that. So. You know, Tony, um, I read a, a report. Um, I can't recall who published it, but it, it was a public report on the way that young people perceived the skilled trades of what mm. they thought people would think about them for being a plumber. And then it also showed what their parents would think about them being a plumber. And then the difference between that was, um, I'm, I'm looking at Clayson's comment. He had to throw it in there. I just he? saw it, dude. Um, he's always the comedian. But yes. the, the difference between what 
the kids thought their parents would think about them joining a skilled trade versus what the parents actually thought was they were twice as wrong. Their parents were like, mm. we don't care uh, about your choice. We want you to be happy with your choice. So I thought that was really enlightening. And you So they weren't with, so much a stigma. They were just like, I'm not sure you'll be happy doing that. Well, I, I think gotcha. a combo. I think there is a stigma for sure mm-hmm. that we're overcoming. And and Andrew uh, Brown, I mentioned him a while ago. He taught. He's talked about this before. Is overcoming that stigma, and it's okay to wear a set of Carhartt coveralls. That's you know, for me, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, what you see on TikTok video. It's not what you see flashed up on the big screen in Times Square. Mm-hmm. All of that crap doesn't really mean anything in real life. What means something is having a foundation that you can take care of yourself, that you can take care of your family, and that we build our country better, not what the hell social media thinks. That's right. That's right. Very well said. And and I'm also big on the ROI. Like, what's the ROI of, what's the return on investment? You know, you go to college, you're giving them money for, it's a transaction. You know, you expect something of equal or greater value in return. And, you know, going there and getting six figures in debt with a job that you get that can't pay that back in a reasonable amount of time, it's very, it's not a good ROI. Now you can go to college differently, stay at home and drive, you could drive an $800 Toyota with no air conditioning. Like I did for, for a couple of years there to save some bucks. But you know, um, that's the other thing too, is just the R is the ROI there. Just look at that and be cognizant and talk to people, try it before you buy it. You know, go, if you think you want to go into marketing, go call a marketing guy and spend some time with them. And I can tell you, and you've probably done this too, Greg. I've had students reach out to me and I'm like, come on over. You know, I'd love to talk to you and Absolutely. teach you what it means to be a sales engineer. And, you know, if you want to go in the trades, find a local tradesman and go hang out with them. See if you can hang out with them for a week and then make so, the decision based on all those different factors. Tony, we ask 18 year olds to make a commitment of what they want to do in their life, their, their whole life. What do they mm. want to commit to when they're 18? or 20, whenever they declare a major, how, how can you do that? Right. Especially for guys. I mean, we can't even think till we're 30. So we're asking, so we're asking people 10 years before they're ready to make a decision about yes. what they want to be doing when they're 50. We, that, that's unreasonable. Maybe you do go to work as an electrician. I've got a friend who runs a very big company right now. Um, Adam Power, Ryan Kennedy was an electrician that worked with tools and then decided to go to engineering school once he saw what the engineering side of the equation looked like. That's great. Because when he was young, he didn't know that he would, he just needed to go to work and build a solid career. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. You know, I went to school after I got out of the field to learn how to do basic accounting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a degree. I just went enough to learn the basics so that I could run my business. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be a, a, you know, and I say the word hybrid a lot because our Mm -hmm. life is there's not a or B is usually C nowadays. Very well said. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So there's a lot of crossover there. You pick a lane and then change lanes if you don't. I changed careers two years ago. I'm 51. So I changed 
Um, now I'm in marketing and I was never in marketing before. So, and I, and I truly enjoy it. And that's the whole thing of like going where you're, you feel like you should be at that given time. And, and I'm a big fan of that. So, okay. Well, so we talked study by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about like, um, so let's move on on getting the word to, we talked a little bit about messaging, like to the young, especially to the younger generations and right. how to get the word out. So I'm, I'm in marketing and I've been doing this for a couple of years. And, you know, my experience is if you want to communicate with someone or give somebody a message, you got to go where the attention is. You got to go where the eyeballs are um, in a way that people are going to, are going to watch it. So there's some social media uh, hashtags, and I'm sure everybody watching here is familiar with what a hashtag is. So um, that's what we do. Like we're on social media a lot. We communicate a lot. It's been an amazing tool for us at Insight. And Greg, you do a great job too with Greg's, again, for Greg's podcast, you know, go check that out straight out of Crumpton. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing tool. It's amazing to me, like when we go to the AHR, AHR show, how many people recognize us from our, uh, it's insane. It, my wife says we're the king of the nerds, the king of the, like the HVAC nerds. <laughs> We sure are nerdy. I'm shocked that anybody ever watches us. Like there's people commenting on here and we'll have several hundred people watch us. And I'm like, Jesus is great. So it's just, it's just like the power of these tools is amazing. And I think as an industry, B2B in general, we're, we're really not very good at social media. HVAC is like the bottom of that pot. Like we're, we got a long ways to go, but I see over even the last couple of years, like with the stuff you're doing and, and a lot of the guys on the, your show the other day, they're doing amazing things on on social media, but just, I wanted to throw these hashtags up there because these kind of tell the story to me. This is hashtags from a popular, um, you know, uh, social media platform and that hashtag HVAC or its variants, HVAC life, HVAC technician. I added up the top 10 and it's 4 billion views, like over the last couple of years. Like, that's amazing. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of attention. Right. And that's half the world, Tony. It's insane. It's insane. How many people, how, how people are consuming content today. And What's more insane is HVAC. Who's looking on? Who's watching TikTok for HVAC? Like I didn't even think that was possible, right? Four billion views, a billion views on skilled trades and its variants and stuff like that. So a lot of tons of attention, and thirty-seven. So the Gen Z and the Millennials, which we're talking about, is thirty-seven and under. That's kind of the, the cutoff. And in our social media, the the median age is 35. So we get a good, we get 50-50 on, which was a surprise to me too. 50% of them are over 35, 50% fall into that Gen Z millennial. So that tells me somebody's interested in this stuff and there's a way to reach them. So, Well, I think what it also clarifies is that we are delivering content to the people who need to hear it. Now, yes, because you don't have uh, 2.5 billion views of HVAC by 60 year old people, you know, so we're, we're hitting right. a target audience that is either searching for following or is inquisitive about. So, um, you know, I think we're getting there and I, I really do believe that the tide is turning. We're bringing mm-hmm. more and more, high school, middle school conversations into the skilled trades conversation. Um, But it's a slow tide that's coming in. You know, it took us 35, 40 years to get rid of uh, uh, shop class in public schools, you know, for 90%. Um, There are isolated pockets in the country that still have them and always have had them. But in a lot of cases, those shop classes were replaced with computer labs. 
So we're starting to see that tide uh, pendulum swing the other way again, but it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. So if you think about uh, when you look at the generational uh, numbers you had up there earlier, we have a 30 year gap between when I went to high school, we had shop class versus mm-hmm. the kids who had no idea that shop class existed. There's a 30 year window. That's what we're trying to overcome now because we have a lot of alphas coming in that are curious about the trades and they're, mm-hmm. they're under the Z's, they're coming. And then we have my generation that are going out, but the millennials and the X's didn't have as much access to shop, uh, auto body, all that stuff that was around, we, we just missed. We've got that gap to overcome. What that means is that baby boomers are having to stay longer because they're being incented by pay to stay and not retire. Mm. And then we're bringing in the younger people earlier and trying to get them up to speed while this, the millennials and the exes are working through. So it's almost like there's four schools of salmon swimming upstream, but they're all at different speeds. Mm. Is there a movement to bring this back into the high schools? Yeah. yeah there we're is. Starting okay. to, we're starting to see and hear more of it. Uh, Canada, uh, I don't know if we have any Canadians in the in the chat, but they have done a phenomenal job, in my opinion, much better than we have thus far, of uh, allowing, I guess is the right word, propagating uh, shop classes to be uh, basically, if you're in the, I think it's the 10th grade starting next year, you can declare a vocational track in public high school versus education only track. So that's they're great. making some really good strides up there. Their apprenticeship uh, programs are strong up there. Uh, the government is strong in making sure that they are going to be able to support their infrastructure um, by having Canadians that are trained. Uh, in the skilled trade. So awesome. I it's love good it. to have a neighbor who's caring. We're getting there. Yeah, for sure. So if I could just summarize, like we're going to move on to another section here real quick, but so you tell me, I'm kind of summarizing the three things we talked about. Like there's a blue collar stigma still we're working on that. I think, um, lack of awareness that these are good, high paying jobs. You, they're in demand. You can travel with them. Well, um, there's a lack of awareness there. And then maybe the college, the, the, you know, maybe the misperception that college is the only avenue to success, right? Like there is other ways to do it. College is great too. Again, we're not like, again, anti-college here, but you know, college is just not for everybody. And those are the kind of the three things. Um, am I missing something there? It's kind of where we're at. We need to work no, on. I, I think that that's pretty darn accurate, Tony. Um, okay. And I really believe nowadays, if I had to wait this, I would wait the lack of awareness more so than anything. Mm. Um, and I, I say social media has done a good job of helping us overcome the stigma. If you watch mm-hmm. TV on like History and Discovery Channel, they have shows like uh, Texas Metal where they're showing true craftsmen building yeah, incredible yeah, automobiles it. by welding, cutting metal, what have you. I think the college tunnel vision has diminished a bit because of the debt and because of the lack of opportunities for graduates. There mm-hmm. are, you know, the, the joke is, you know, your your kid graduates from college and they move into your basement. 
that's that didn't come out of thin air, you know. So I think that those kind of things are helping us create a better awareness of the skilled trades, but we're nowhere near through. Okay. You you're 51 years old. You're going to be an old man when you and I are through talking about this program. Yeah. Um, so there, Tom For Leach, sure. great comment, Tom, um, talking about this, the, the trade programs he, oh, wow. he was participatory yeah. of in high school. So, yeah. Thank you, Tom. Always a, always good to hear from you. Okay, so that was great. I'm gonna let's spend the last few minutes. So we talked a lot about trades, which is yeah. awesome, and we'll definitely have Greg back on at a later time to talk some more because I think this is just an ongoing thing, and I think it's great. I think it's really healthy. I'm really enjoying it. We're getting a lot of comments about how people are liking this topic. So we talked about the trades. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the MEP world, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. Um, engineering firms. And I reached out to two friends of mine in the industry. Um, one is Scott Campagna, who I called on a billion years ago. Like we've become good friends in the in the HVAC industry. He works for um, a company called IMAG now, and they are in Charlotte. So I asked him a couple questions. And a lot of what applies to the trades kind of applies to the engineering disciplines and sales engineering as well, which we'll touch on in a minute. So I asked him this question. I'm gonna, just going to read some of his responses here because I thought it was really applicable to the conversation. So is there a shortage of new mechanical engineers? Is it hard to fill a position? And the answer was, yes, there's a shortage, but more so on the electrical side. Since mechanical is pretty broad-based subject in school, so we're able to find good candidates. However, we're also competing against a lot of other industries for their talent. Often industry uh, compensation is lower to start compared to others. So that creates a barrier as well. However, long-term earnings are higher one big issue is that only a few schools promote and teach this industry. I know I had no idea of this career path until I accidentally fell into it while interviewing for jobs. With a labor shortage here, we developed teams overseas to support our staffing needs. So it kind of, kind of along the lines of awareness, kind of the same issue is what I'm hearing there, right? Um, yeah, and I know the, that to be true. Uh, Adam, yep. I mentioned Adam Power, Ryan Kennedy. They have they are continuously looking for electrical engineers. So uh, that that doesn't fall in deaf ears for sure. Yep, for sure. So, what <laughs> is the ME mechanical engineering community doing to attract the younger generation? This is an area that needs improvement. This is the response. I do not think ASHRAE or other similar groups are addressing this on a national level. However, there are local community groups like ACE, and we're going to talk about that in a moment on the next slide, that are going into high schools and teaching about the industry, encouraging people to go into STEM-based careers, make sure uh, the hybrid or remote work environment is well set up for that as well. Um, that is continual desire with the candidates. So I thought that was some good information. We're going to talk about that ACE program on the next Slide here. What can the mechanical engineering community be doing to attract younger engineers, connecting with them early, like we talked about with the same thing with bringing shop back to the schools, right? Um, getting engineering introduced to middle and high school levels. Also, I think the industry needs to communicate with younger generations in a way they like to receive information through different social media platforms. And we, we spend a little bit of time talking on that as well. Um, put in internships and co-ops was the other thing. Um, and I asked him any other challenges uh, from the mechanical engineering firm standpoint. One item is not promoted enough is the ability for MEs to 
uh, in this industry to become owners or start their own firm, there is a lower entry point to do this than other industries. I think that's a great point. Yeah. You know, in the trade, you know, we didn't touch on that in the trades too. That ladder of success, like I knew a lot of guys who ran very six and and women who ran very successful um, trades businesses who started turning wrenches. Absolutely. Um, you know what a great way to start a mechanical contracting firm is to get out there in the field and learn it. I mean, that's really the only way to start it, as far as I'm concerned. Well, but yeah. you know, Tony, I, I think that that kind of goes back to the American dream. You know, a lot of people have the vision of working for themselves and tradespeople have the abilities that the lower cost of entry, you know, the barrier to entry is fairly low in a skilled trade. If you do it properly, licensed, bonded, insured, all those things that make a professional company, you can still be small and be professional. Um, I was just looking too. I wanted to comment on Paul and, and, sure, and Tiger. Yeah. Paul and Tiger both make good points in the in the chat. So you guys be sure and read those because they're spot on. Um, and Go for it, Tiger. You got them pulled up. Read them. Well, Tiger's, you know, and, and I'm a, a hoping I'm pronouncing it Tiger. Uh, it's the way it looks to me. So Tiger or Tigger, I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but you know, you are right that people think of HVAC service as crawling around in a hot attic. I've been in the business for 40 years and I've been in like two attics. So <laughs> there are ways that uh, through awareness, by creating conversations, by creating ride-along programs, day-in-the-life programs, we can show that there is a, a another way, uh, not crawling under a house or not crawling in an attic for sure. Um and then to Paul's point, you know, let's celebrate the people we find. And, you know, I, I try to do that on my show. I try to do it on social media. I, I get so worn out from people saying they can't find good kids out there. I find good kids all the time because I'm looking for them. I look mm. for opportunities to engage with people who are making a difference. I mentioned Paige Knowles. I mentioned Dee Durant. I mean, there, there's a plethora of people. Jamie McMillan's. And, and oddly enough, all these people that I mentioned are Canadian because they do such a good job of doing it. Um, but when you find young people, to Paul's point, throw some light on them, you know, mm -hmm. reward them, buy them a cup of coffee, whatever. Uh, let, let, just promote the goodness, you know, and not the, the, the negativity that social media tends to have flavored. Let's be the, you know, the light the let's be the ray of light you know for lack of a better way of saying it absolutely what a great message i love that for sure we could all do better i could thinking of that and i'm thinking yeah i could do a better job at that too so that's good good okay. advice for sure really it's good so being a good human you know yeah okay. yeah absolutely okay so good information um real quick on uh, sticking with the mep firms you know i reached out to rob turner who's a PE with, with Charleston Engineering, and he runs the local ACE mentor group. And I'm just going to read this uh, from the ACE site so for those who are not familiar. So ACE was uh, founded in 1994. The ACE Mentor Program of America is a free award-winning after-school program designed to attract high school students into pursuing careers in architecture, construction, and the engineering industry, including skilled trades. ACE is a federation of more than 75 affiliates or chapters operating in 38 states in Canada, largely based in metropolitan areas. A national office supports the affiliate program. So 
you can go to this website, acementor.org. I think it's a great organization and I would love to be a part of that. Actually, I, I think um, Rob Turner actually was needing some help in, in the Charleston area. So if you're specifically located there or no matter where you are, you know, you can maybe start a chapter in your area if there's not one, but um, what a great way to reach some, some younger kids. You know, Tony, giving back to your industry or industries, however you want to look at it, is one of the most rewarding things you can do yeah. as, a, as a person. Um, you know, what what got you to the position where you are in life, whatever you, however you classify yourself, if you can turn around and, and throw a hand back and help somebody else that's coming through, what what a great way. And, and there's so many ways to mentor. It, it doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, this looks like a great program that, that Rob's uh, part of. Um, you don't have to do it that organized. You can find somebody at your own company that needs a mentor and just do it one-on-one. But, you know, these programs like ACE, uh, 7 by 24 has a mentoring program. They're, they're out there. So if you want to do uh, the, you know, the Lord's work and helping people get to the next level, uh, you can. There, there's plenty of, of things out there. So check out acementor.org and see if, if, the, if that works for you. You know, and, and Tony mentioned Charleston. Um, I, I'm assuming that they have multiple locations. It looks like a, a first class outfit. So um, plenty of opportunities to get back. But it, again, I go back to one hand to hand. Grab grab somebody and take them along for the ride or for the walk or for the jog or whatever you want to do. Just bring somebody with you. Absolutely. Well said. And, and Rob was um, nice enough to share too, that I asked him the same questions as I asked Scott and he had a lot of the same concerns. He's in a smaller firm, so it's even more exaggerated, right? Like trying to find new people is really, is really difficult. It takes a long time and the options are to post it somewhere where you get 500 applicants and very few of them are in the industry or they're qualified. So you got to weed through that. And also the headhunter option is very difficult to absorb that cost if you're a small, a small engineering firm. So he had some, um, wanted to share some stuff on that and on the ACE program locally. And it is a national program on, on the, his local level. Um, they had 15 students and he said it was awesome. They asked tons of questions about engineering, mentored them through the spring semester um, in the, and went through an actual AE school design project. And several of them were interested and will probably go on to go in the engineering. So what a great way to to give back to the community. So absolutely. And, and tell me, I point. see the button, uh, on, on that slide top, right. It said, find a program near you. So obviously it, it's easily searchable. So hopefully, uh, some, yeah, for sure. Can do that. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks for, thanks for pointing that out. And this is just a, don't know why I put this in here, but the average age of a mechanical engineer in the HVAC business is 41. So keep that in mind. I think we've got the same kind of like a lot of the people are retiring, but maybe not enough people coming up to the, to the plate there. Um, one of the things I, I'm a big, you know, on social media, I love social media. The mechanical engineering, um, world is very lowly represented in HVAC on, in online. So I don't, th- I think like what Scott was saying earlier, like it's really hard to find. There's tons of views on mechanical engineering in general, but you won't find anything HVAC related online. The HVAC, most of the hashtags HVAC online of service techs and stuff like that, people in the trades, um, people out in the field, which is great. I love it. But, you know, maybe mechanical engineering could think about how, ways to to get on there and share a little bit more of that as an option on, on social media. So. Well, I think that that's part of the maturing of the mindset of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it and who yep. we're trying to recruit. And 
you know, like you said it earlier, our our HVAC industry has taken a while to to start to embrace it. You know, we're we're not in a bubble. I mean, other industries are in the same shape. They're trying to figure out what works for them, who they're appealing to. Um, so we're we're all going down the road trying to figure that out. You know, yep. like what what's the the saying? We're we're uh, we're we're learning how to fly the plane while we're in flight or trying to land. Yeah, yeah. Before. So it, it's yeah. all a work in progress for sure. Absolutely. Okay, so one, one, two more slides on HVAC sales, guys. So you know, there's, <laughs> so we talked about the stigma of the blue collar worker, and salesmen have that stigma too. Like, right when I was in college, I was thinking who would go into sales in engineering. Then I started looking, and I was like, oh, that would fit me very well. And it, there was a stigma around that. I have to say, in engineering college, it was like, you know, you'd get that. Oh, where are you going? I'm going to Dow. I'm going to Merck, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to train to sell air conditioning. Like. Uh, okay. You know, but for me, it just it always seemed like a natural fit. I love the idea of it. And, um, I can tell you the, the idea of the, you know, the slick willy kind of sales guy is so far off from what we are in our industry. And I know Greg, you deal with a lot of us. We're just as nerdy as the rest of the engineers, right? Like we, <laughs> we got, and we come from all different shapes and backgrounds. You know, I, I came from engineering, uh, Aaron Coble there, who I talked to earlier, he's one of our top sales. You're lucky if he calls any, he's a great salesman. And he started in the trades. He came up in the mechanical contracting business. He works for his dad's GC business. And he was a plumber. So he's a he's a great hands-on guy. So he came into sales too. Um, a couple of the guys there on upper left are some friends. That's that's us at the AHR show, you know, going to AHR. And then on the bottom, that's kind of like what we, a couple of the guys in a our rally office given presentations to mechanical engineers. So um, there's a great, there's a great um, YouTube video on an amazing YouTube channel called Insight Partners HVAC TV. And you can go there. I did a, boom. I did a quick boom. Yeah. A uh, little plug there. So I did a, like a, I don't know, a 15 minute video, what it means to be a sales engineer. Uh, we call them account executives at our company, but I think most people recognize a sales engineer. So if you're interested in that and you know, there's all different types, like there's a guy who loves to go fishing, boating, having a beer with you. Um, there's a guy more of the educational type. That's always been my thing. Like I'm the nerdy, like I want to teach you psychometrics. I'll take you to dinner and stuff too, but I'd rather just te teach the stuff in the class. So it doesn't matter like what kind of personality you are. Um, anybody could do it if you're interested. So that's a plug in for the, the sales engineer. Um, folks, well, I so. think that's really important of, of uh, finding the fit for you, you know, of being self awareness. Yourself. Yeah. If, if you're, I, I'm like you, I'm an educational seller. I've never been really good at selling, but I've been really good at, at showing people technology. And when they get ready to buy, then I want to be on their frontal lobe because I showed yeah. it to them. I'm not good at selling. I am good at fishing uh, sometimes if they're biting. But to your point, you know, you've got to do, and this is skill trade, engineering, or sales you got to do what's natural because people can read through a, a facade and you yeah. want to come across as authentic. Um, and you know, the, that picture of you guys up there in the top left corner, you know, there's no, you can read so much by that picture of who you guys are. And, and it's just so cool to see the real you standing there um, with, with friends and coworkers. I mean, it's, it's genuine. Yeah. Love that. Love Appreciate that. Yeah, so I, I so if you're watching and you're liking this content, if you would please like this video, we'd greatly appreciate it, and maybe share it at a later time with someone. Um, and I, you know, we're gonna finish. We have some questions. We'll, we're gonna hang around and a answer some questions. Greg and I will, 
Um, we've met the hour requirement for PDHs. So if you if you need to run, great. Before you do, please like or please stick around. We'll be glad to take more questions and answer the ones we have. Please email me. My email address is on the screen. I'll send you the PDH certificate and a link to this. And also, there's a QR code in the upper left for the YouTube channel, uh, Inside Partners HVAC TV. And we also have, well, here's a couple I'll just put up here while we answer some questions. Um, change that video here. Boink, like that. And, you know, a couple avenues there. And if you like this podcast, you know, go check that out as well. And don't forget to check out Greg's podcast. He has some amazing, amazing guests on, on there and a wide variety of different um, aspects of HVAC. So straight out of Crumpton, go check that out. And thank you again for joining us. Please like this video. We're going to stick around and ask some questions. And um, we totally, totally appreciate it. So absolutely. Um, thank you all so much. You know, tell me, uh, Chris has a really good comment. Um, it's hard enticing a 20-year-old without offering them $35 an hour. That's not sustainable. I think we would all agree. Um, you know, money is important. There's no doubt about it. I, I think mm -hmm. that what has been proven successful for us is everything else that goes with the money. It's the education opportunity without debt. It's the company vehicle that we offer because we're a service company. You know, what, what else can you make the package, uh, what makes up the package as opposed to just what's on the check? And I know that's a kind of a, you know, flippant way of answering the, the thing, but I, I, I hear that conversation daily. So I see what we're, we're as an industry are trying to do about it. So uh, Joy, yeah. thank you for the nice comment. That was nice of you to say that. Um, Eric, just a lot of, a lot of nice people. You, you guys are what this is about because, you know, Tony and I, we can, we can get on the phone and have this conversation together, which we, we have done. But when we're able to bring in a wider audience that we learn from, that's the whole joy of, of the broadcast is there's questions and comments that come up. And if you can just take one thing away from this, uh, that maybe you're thinking about it on the way home today, you're driving home. And, and you're thinking about, oh, I know this kid, you know, that my, my sister's kid or whatever. Just think about people who who may need that opportunity. So uh, good stuff. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Heather, do we have any other comments there that we need to address? Um, Steve mentioned giving back is incredibly important. Our society is better when old men will plant trees whose shade they will never enjoy. Yeah, we appreciate that comment for sure. Um, um, yeah, we've got one from earlier uh, in the feed today by Jason Workman. It's what do you think is the most effective training methods today? Technology versus in real life. So, I, Tony, I'll, I'll answer that. I think Please. it's both. I, I believe yeah. it's both. I, I believe that um, there's a company that, that I'm familiar with uh, called uh, Interplay Learning. Uh, where we can learn in a virtual environment of how to maintain and repair air conditioning equipment. And, and the beauty is that you're doing it in a virtual way, so you're, you can't get hurt or get shocked. Now, what you're learning is how to go do that in real life so that as you get to that real condensing unit or that real boiler, you've already done the tasking now you're just doing it in a real environment. So I, I believe it's a, a combo package mm. of, 
uh, in real life versus theoretical learning. Obviously, you have to read, learn, and study. Uh, and then you, I, I think you can use technology to augment that learning. I don't think it has to be one or the other. Yeah, I, I totally agree. 100%. Good stuff. Heather, any more comments for us? I think you've covered all all of them. I love uh, this one that just came up from Aaron Mickle or Michael. I think it's Mickle. Reaching the younger generation um, is a company culture in the mechanical world. And it's so important. I think that's a great comment. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Every company has a culture. Some are good and some suck. Um, You know, our goal is to give people a good place to work that they yeah. want to be, they want to be uh, with their peers. They want to be learning. They want to be serving. You have to make that a rewarding environment. You know, is that a, a fancy break room? Is that a cool uniform? You know, I don't know what the magic, the mojo is for each particular company, but every company has mojo and you have to polish it. It's not something that organically, uh, gets better it's there organically you can polish the good parts of it and make it more enticing but you have a culture whether you like it or not right whether it's good or bad that's the good point here's another question um greg i'd love for you to help with how much of the problem do you think is due to unwillingness of companies to provide appropriate training i.e they want you to learn it just somewhere else you see yeah. any of that happening or? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that companies that operate under that MO are going to be uh, hurting. I, mm-hmm. I don't believe that's a sustainable model because people are going to go back to our culture comment. They're going to go where they can get training and it's encouraged and it's paid for and they're rewarded for doing it. Our industry uh, it's really bifurcated between those that do and those that ride off the coattails of others. And I think the coattail riders, as we keep moving away from today, meaning moving forward, I think that the people who aren't delivering a good user experience for their employees, not their customers, but their employees, which is customer one, um, if, if you're not delivering a good place to work, people are going to leave because they can. Our air conditioning mechanic can leave a job. It's 12, 11 p.m. Eastern. They can be working somewhere else at 4.30 this afternoon for more money if they choose to. So you have to make their environment somewhere they want to be. You have to be the company of choice in the area where people are attracted to and not there because they have to be, because they strictly don't have to be. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Steve Lesser is agreeing with that too, saying, you know, once you have the money thing addressed, you need a vision that creates a desire. And the culture is so important. I agree. And I've worked with places that did not have a good culture. And I, I'm glad to report I work at a place that does have one now. And it's uh, it, it, it makes a bit, it makes all the difference for sure. So, well, here you are doing this at the, on the company's dime, so to speak, 
but you're addressing an industry. We're not talking about what color jersey you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're representing insight, but you're representing a much larger community that you're drawing people to. You're the flame and, and we're the moths that are coming to you because you're delivering content and we're learning from you. That's what people want. Well, I am grateful to have the opportunity. That's for sure. I appreciate that. Um, awesome. Well, what do you think, Greg? I think we've done some, hopefully a little bit of good, put a little goodness out there today. Well, tell me, I, I hope so. You know, I, I hope people know that we're, what we're giving is us. This is not some cooked up, you know, thing that our bosses told us to come on here and talk about. This is mm-hmm. what we do. This is what we believe in. Um, you know, I see you on the, on the rooftop with a cooling tower, taking a picture of yourself, looking at the fill, you know, in the cooling tower, this passion, man, you can't, you can't get around passion and just the energy around it is all we can do is offer that to draw people to it, to where we can all learn from each other. And, and, you know, that's what it's about. So I hope we made a difference. I've certainly enjoyed talking to you. I love seeing the comments from the guest. Um, I mean, I, I've written down several things just to be able to think about mm-hmm. later because of, I, I didn't want to be distracted. But so much good stuff here. So so many smart people joining today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Greg. I'm going to close this out. If you could stick around here for just a moment after I end the fee. But I want to say thank you all so much for watching the Engineers HVAC podcast. Please like this video before you go. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Please share it with someone Um, who you might know, and you could watch a video version of this podcast on our YouTube channel at any time, Insight Partners HVAC. So thank you so much for the opportunity, and I hope you all have a great day.